If you're trying to train your chest, this is where all your power and your leverage is. So not only are you going to be stronger, but you're actually going to recruit the muscle fibers that you're actually trying to work. What's up, guys? We're getting down to brass tacks with Weapon X. Oh, I love that so much. That sounds so... See? it And you have the voice for it. It flows very nicely. We're getting down to the brass tacks. Yes. Shout out to Matt for coming up with that name. It is pretty good. We're going to spell that with uh, an X. T-A-C-X, mm. uh, I think. Brass tax. And the X the X has to be capital. Okay. What's going on, uh, Weapon X? How you been, man? Oh, man. Life is good. Life is good. Um, like I was telling you earlier, I got a bunch of clients getting ready to compete. Um, this is another reason why I'm glad that I transitioned into an offseason because I have so much energy oh, to like yeah. just pour into them and do all of the extra maybe not unnecessary details, but like just you really get down to the nitty gritty and not be annoyed by it. Um, Cause I'm not worried about my own self. So that's, it's been really fun uh, working with these guys. A lot of young guys, um, a couple of which are going to, every, everybody looks great. Like I, I keep saying, I keep saying all oh, this guy looks good, but then I'm like, Oh man, this dude looks really good too. It's going to be a really good show, but um, yeah, no, everything's going well. How are you? Good, man. I'm looking forward to, to diving into this topic today. Uh, we did get Dan yes. said uh, we needed to sound the air horn to make it official. We might get the air horn oh. later, so hold on. If you stay tight, we, we, we may, if you hold tight, we might get to the air horn. Uh, we had a topic today. We're going to actually talk some training, which I'm super pumped about. Uh, and then we're going yes. to try to break the show up. Okay, so we're going to do a topic and then we're going to take a few listener questions. So we have a few listener questions lined up. If you guys have any questions you want to add into the show, they can be serious questions. I mean, we have a great bodybuilder here, strong dude who's literally an Olympian. And, you know, or you can ask us stupid questions, too, because he also has we both have a sense of humor with that stuff. So we, we both have our own little quirks and things that we like if you want to ask us about Christmas cabbage. Although um, Scott is a more of an expert on that than I am. So, yeah, uh, I don't even know who that guy is. I don't even know. He's an enigma. To me. <laughs> so this topic, I'm, I, Derek so sends me an outline uh, before we do the show. I'm going to read this off here. He has a, it's a episode three training programming horse before the cart. Oh, yeah. So um, the reason why I named it that instead of cart before the horse, I named it like that on purpose is um, I've, I think I mentioned this in the, in the first episode that we did. I think a lot of people worry about too many unnecessary details. Um, in this case, with regard to training, they are they're more worried about the kind of horse that is going to pull their wagon before they've even built the wagon. So what I mean by that is – Let's say someone wants to build up their um, their teardrop on their quads. They are concerned with the exercises that they are picking in order to do that. But then you see them train, and they don't. You've never seen them take a set to failure before. You don't see them progressing in their lifts. They're doing the same weight every single week, and then they wonder why they don't improve. It's not so obviously. There's something to be said for how little of importance exercise selection holds in comparison to a few other variables. So that's what we want to get into today is what is important okay, for like you guys that. to know. I like that. All right. Where do we start, man? So 
we mentioned on the previous episode, so I'm not gonna I'm not gonna dive into this too deeply because we talked about it a lot last time. Was load progressive overload getting stronger? I can't stress this enough. If you are not progressing in your lifts week to week, whether it is the same weight for more reps, same reps for more weight, um, better control and execution. Uh, tempo all of these things you are not getting you are not you are not accumulating new muscle tissue it's not happening there is no coincidence that the biggest and baddest bodybuilders and powerlifters strongmen there's no coincidence that the biggest men on the planet from a muscular standpoint also happen to be the strongest agreed just saying agreed just saying so i don't want to dive into i don't want to re you know I don't want to beat a dead horse. We do that every day, though, at this channel. That's like we talk about progressive overload every day. So they know. Honestly, honestly, if we if if every episode was just on that one topic, I would probably still listen to every single episode. That's pretty much what you get anyway. That's that's what we do. You know, well, we do talk occasionally about drugs. But so there is that. But, Uh, you know, you have you have a program about drugs. And stuff, all sorts of stuff. Yes. Oh, the I, I like the stuff. I like the stuff a lot. I guess right. I like the drugs too. But <laughs> um, so, but what I wanted to start with was intensity of effort. Speaking of training to failure, yeah. now I think this is a topic that doesn't require a whole lot of diving into, just because there, in my opinion, there isn't a whole lot of science. Uh, necessary for explaining this. This is more of a mentality thing. Um, I will say this, it is not something that most people will immediately go into the gym with, which is, you know, understanding how to take every single set to failure or the majority of them anyway. I think that's a skill that you acquire over time. Yeah. Um, I th- I think that's another another point to that is understanding why you're going to the gym, what you're trying to accomplish. If you don't go in with a vision per se of what you were trying to do um, or what your ultimate goal is, it's very easy to uh, take a it's very easy for effort to take a backseat. Yeah. In in my in, in my opinion, because you're like, well, I'm not really working towards anything in specific. You know, I'm going to the gym. You know, I want to maybe I want to gain some muscle, but, you know, I just want to stay fit. I don't really have a specific goal in mind. I'm just doing this for me. And you may not. It, it could be very easy to slack off. But if you come in understanding exactly what you're trying to do, for example, if you are a competitive bodybuilder, for instance, and you are trying to fill voids in your in your physique, you know, maybe get more quad sweep, build more um, lat width or whatever. Then you go into the gym, you know exactly what you were trying to accomplish, and it's very easy to tap into that energy to get out of the set what you want. Yeah. Um, so basically, I'm just I guess the, the ultimate point with that is understanding that intensity, bringing bringing the intensity of effort. And I keep saying the whole thing, because technically, if I just use the word intensity, I think the technical definition from a physics standpoint or from a exercise physiology standpoint is like a percentage of your one rep max, mm, okay. if I'm not mistaken. So like in powerlifting, technically, they would be the most intense lifters because they train way closer to their one rep max than a bodybuilder does. Yeah, yeah. So by that definition, they are more intense. So that's why I say intensity of effort, because I'm referring to how close to failure you're getting 
on your set. So that's on like if you're looking at the RPE scale. Yeah, so if you're looking at an RPE scale, what is it? I think the lowest is six, and then the highest is thirteen. So or twelve. Is it twelve? Anyway, so you have leaving four or five reps in the tank all the way up to I'm at failure, beyond failure. I'm doing force reps, drop sets. That's where intensity techniques come into play. Um, and or if you have a training partner that's helping you get those extra reps out that you normally wouldn't get on your own. Um, so you want to be at like a 10 or an 11 at or slightly beyond failure in all of your sets in order to elicit the novel stimulus necessary in order to build new muscle tissue. So um, the only times that intensity of effort would be lowered per se would be like if you're for example close to a show and you don't want to overtax your nervous system you don't want to overtrain or burn away uh you know muscle tissue um i usually recommend it's like for example i have a lot of guys that are uh that are 10 days out i literally just sent them all an email today that i don't want them going any higher than one working set per any movement that they do Okay. Um, if they do do, uh, I usually do two working sets. If they do two, if they do do two working sets, man, say that three times fast. Um, that I usually have them uh, relegate that only to isolation movements, um, but keep the compounds at one working set. There's just no point. You just don't. They're not going to have the energy to put in that effort for extend. You know, for an extended period of time. So, yeah. and in my opinion, in terms of preserving muscle, uh, especially when you're in a deficit, it is more important to maintain the load, loads that you're moving, than it is to maintain the volume. I think ma- trying to maintain the volume can lead to an overtrained state, whereas maintaining the strength will continue to remind your body to keep the muscle that it has. Absolutely. I've got nothing to add to that. I would agree. I would agree entirely. Of course, I think that as you're getting, say, closer to a show or something, you have to be careful with that because you may not, yes. you know, you might not be able to do the same amount of weight, um, you know, at, at two, three weeks out. I'm working with a guy who is doing his first show and he squats very heavy. He's like up in the 400s and he's okay. still trying to squat up in the 400s. And uh, I didn't realize this, but he was doing like, you know, six reps, then three reps, then a single. I'm like, we don't, oh God. we don't do singles, you know, at six weeks no. out from a show. That's like, that's, uh, you know, that's not what we do. Even, even singles in off season is like, yeah, I like the, the stars have to, for me anyway, the stars have to be perfectly aligned. I have to be feeling really, really good. Maybe coming off of a cheat meal the day before or something like that. Yeah. While still in a surplus that I'm like, okay, I think today is a good day to like see if I can, you know, get this new weight up. And then I probably won't ever do that again for like a couple months. What kind of rep range do you generally work in? So typically what I'll do is I'll have a top set, which will range anywhere from six to eight reps, uh, maybe even as low as five. It's not common, but I do will sometimes go down to five reps. It's the lowest I'll go. So that leads us into so what I what I did was I broke this down into what I feel was what I felt was the order of importance of things that you guys should be worried about in terms of programming your training. So okay. the number one most important thing was load, mechanical tension, uh, progressive overload. Number two was intensity of effort, 
And number three is rep execution. Now, load. Strength is king. That's what I tell everybody. That's what I say to all my clients. Um, it's somehow became a hashtag between them. Whatever. I think it's cool. Strength is um, king. I like that. Strength Strength is king. Um, intensity of effort would be the king's advisor. And rep execution would be the prince. So you can enter. So the distance between those three is not that big at all. They're very, very close. And if you interchanged maybe two and three, I don't think anyone would argue too much. But I do think that without progressing your 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 the weight of your lifts or your reps with that weight every single week, yeah. I just don't see. I just don't see how you accumulate new muscle. I just don't see how that happens. You know, assuming calorie surplus and all those things. Um, so you just to, just to now, be clear, you don't think that like somebody could just do say four sets of ten with a hundred pounds on a given exercise, and if they did that for a year straight, there's going to come a point that they're going to stop growing, and then they're, like no matter what they do, if they continue to do four sets of ten with a hundred pounds, that that's it. You've tapped out at that point. I just want to make this clear for anybody who's listening that could yes. use the ben- could benefit from that. I 110% agree that you will stop growing muscle. Your body is a very well-built machine that is put together to do one thing, adapt okay. to its environment. That is what it's built for and it's very it's very efficient at it. Um Doing the same thing over and over and over again is a definition of insanity. How do you expect a different result if you do the same thing over and over again? So, yeah, if you were doing four sets of 10 with 100 pounds, let's say, of a given movement, and you did that for a year straight, I would say that you would probably stop growing muscle after, like, month one or two. Okay. And at some point, you're probably going to atrophy because your body just going to find a new way to get efficient at it. It's going to yeah. find a new energy source to tap into. Okay. And that's probably going to be stop you there for a minute just to just to make sure we are clear 100% on that, you know. If your goal is to build muscle, please do not do four sets of 10 with 100 pounds every single week for the next year. If you want to do that to run an experiment and then report back to us in a year <laughs> on brass tacks because we will still be on the air uh, on season eight, then you let us know. By all means, knock yourself out. I don't have a year to waste like that. I already tell you what's going to happen. So, um, so okay. It's funny because I had a debate with somebody, I'm going to say probably like a few months ago, about he believed that rep execution was the most important thing. Have an absolutely perfect technique on every single rep of every single set that you do in the gym. Hmm. And it's far and above more important than progressive overload. So here was my argument. I'm like, okay, you go to a bodybuilding competition. You have two guys on stage. We're going to talk the power guy and we're going to talk the technique guy. The power guy had sub subpar tech uh, technique but he got strong as shit on everything technique wasn't the greatest maybe borderline sucked but he got stupid strong and didn't have any injuries the technique guy his form is absolutely immaculate it's beautiful on everything but he is not concerned with getting stronger on his lifts every single week which bodybuilder is going to win on stage I'm putting my money on the power guy. Of course, the strong guy. 
there's there's going to be a level of density to the muscle that you cannot get from just focusing on rep execution and or volume accumulation you know so doing four sets of 10 with 100 pounds with perfect technique every single week for a year is not going to give you the dense look of someone who did progressive overload with subpar form for a year. It's just not going to happen. We've seen it over and over again. I I would take a combo of both of those guys, you know, continue to progress and continue to focus on form. But there, there comes a point where like, I, you know, because I got, re- I became like a real stickler on my dumbbell incline claim, excuse me, dumbbell incline press this last year. And yes, I wanted to get really strong on it. And it's an exercise that I've been able to get hurt on a lot. So mm-hmm. for me, form was really important. So I had to work within a really strict form. But I knew that like if I were to take us like reps any slower than I had, it would limit my strength. So I, ha- I it was kind of like I had to find a balance in there, get stronger yet maintain, yeah. get stronger, yet maintain the technique, you know, and be reasonable with the technique um, and, and be willing to kind of let it go a little bit. No, know, knowing when to let that technique go a little bit, you know, I think that's important yeah. too, right? Yeah, I, I, I think there is a time and a place for kind of uh, letting loose, like, le- you know, letting the reins go to an extent without compromising, you um, you know, like joint integrity and connective tissue integrity and things of that sort. You, uh, so you got really strong on that. We've talked about it before that dumbbell row, like your form was incredible on it too. Like you did not, you did not compromise form while doing that exercise. And you, you know, you lifted 225 on a dumbbell row. 215s. Seven reps, eight reps. Yeah. That's a lot of weight, man. It's funny, it's funny you mentioned that because that was actually the example I was going to give. So one of the things that I wanted to mention on a rep execution was kind of like things to look out for with your form when you're – like if you have a weaker body part that you're trying to bring up. So like for back, for instance, the cues that I will give to a client are, number one, obviously good posture, chest up, expanded, be big, Um back arched so i got spinal flex uh ex- is that extension or flexion i guess extension be, yeah it's a spinal extension um but i don't use that i don't use that term because most people don't um, like as soon as i say it they look at me crazy so I just arch, like, arch my chest um yeah. <laughs> and then pretend like there is something behind you that you were trying to hit with your elbow so when i use okay. that cue that a tends to keep people from thinking about pulling the weight with their arm. They're just oh. like, I need to hit an object that's behind me, but I have a weight in my hand. I like that. I like that. So that's the cue that I use. And that usually gets that, that people understand that. And because elbow drive and scapular retraction, scap, shoulder blades, getting your shoulder blades pinned back when you pull and getting your elbow back as far as you can, that is what's going to lead to full um, back muscle recruitment and ultimately as long as you're progressing your lifts and all of that more tissue thicker back um, for chest for instance what I usually say is whether it's a barbell or a machine but it's really easy to demonstrate on a machine and explain because the machine only moves one way right so yeah. if you're on if you're doing an incline so anyone who is listening to just the audio, you're missing out on my wonderful demonstration. So go on to YouTube. 
Um, anyway, so if you are on a hammer strength incline, and this, no matter what you do, the machine is only going to move this way. That's it. So no matter how you get underneath it, no matter where you're standing or what you're doing, the machine's only going to move one way. So you want to make sure that your arm from your elbow to your wrist, well, all through your hand too, you want to make sure everything's moving in a straight line. So if it's moving like this, but you're trying to press it like this, mm -hmm. let me move over so you can see. This is what a lot of people do. They press like this. And they do like this circular motion to try and get underneath it. Yeah. And they, for some reason, it's usually because they have a weak chest. So they're recruiting the muscles in their shoulder to help them push it. Yeah. So they do like this and they get their elbows up. This is going to be all front delt and no chest. The, if you're trying to train your chest, this is where all your power and your leverage is. Agreed. So not only are you going to be stronger, but you're actually going to recruit the muscle fibers that you're actually trying to work. So again, the number one, the number one thing is posture, chest up. You know, be big, uh, back arched, and then driving the arm through with your forearm at the same angle that the machine, the handles, the weight is moving. As long as you maintain this posture and push through the entire time, you're going to feel it in your chest, and you're really not going to feel it in your triceps, in your delts, even though those two muscles are working to help you. Yeah. yeah. Um, those are the two cues that I usually give. I like that. I, you know what? I say something a little bit different. I like yours better. I say with the dumbbell row or row, imagine there being a string on your elbow and imagine that like if, like if, if you're bent over and you're in that position and then you just imagine a string on that elbow, just pulling your elbow up. Like if I have somebody and I'm standing there and I'm like, you know, visualizing that string lifting, it's like, it's just a straight, it's, it's not a, it's not a pulling movement. It's just that elbow right. coming back type thing. But I like yours. That's better. also good too. I like yours though. I think that'd be easier to, to explain. Imagine trying to hit something behind you with your elbow. Because the, the reason why I like that one a little bit better is because it implies that there still has to be force exerted on the yes. part of the, the user of the weight. As opposed to, you know, the string, it might imply a more passive yeah, yeah, mindset subconsciously it could yeah i like that you know I what like i mean that a lot you have to be aggressive with that pull too you know what i mean it, it yes. can't be just like a, like you said a it's, passive just lifting the dumbbell up you if you really drive that up man you could just feel it activate all those fibers it's totally different mm -hmm. and you'll you'll feel it lighter even though in theory you're like you know oh, i'm pulling the elbow towards the hip so i'm only going to get the lower lats you're going to feel the entirety of your of your back musculature on that one side completely light up and you're going to feel it all if you do it properly if you do it explosively and with enough weight um i got a side question for you if you needed yeah. to pick one exercise for your best back density movement and it couldn't be deadlifts Oh, what, what would fuck. be like, what's your go to like that would grow some fucking muscle? Oh, man, there's so many. Uh, chest supported dumbbell rows. You're kidding. You like that the best, huh? Oh, man, like that is probably one of my. F I think it's also because I'm really good at it yeah. and I'm really strong at it and I'm, I can control the weight very well. That's actually what made my free, you know, my freestanding dumbbell row better was doing chest supported because you're forced to uh, be in control. Yeah. Yeah. There's no cheating and, that up. 
There's no rap. And also, nope, none at all. And uh, and I use the I have to use the big Olympic dumbbells that you see me that you saw me use in that in that video. So they're very unwieldy. So if I don't control them, I'm not gonna be able to hold it because the thing is so damn big. Yeah. But um, man, anything where your chest is supported and you can't move is fucking phenomenal. Um, another thing too is if you're using a machine. And, uh, a machine chest supported row what I do is I get my feet all the way back so I'm almost kind of leaning forward into it like um let me see if I can get the camera yeah so I'm kind of I'll be leaning into the pad like this for instance yeah and my feet are all the way back there where I'm on my toes so the purpose for that is I completely remove any possibility of hip and leg drive out of the equation altogether. There's absolutely no way that my legs can help me move this weight. Whereas if your feet are in front of you on the pedals, there's a there might be a little bit of tendency to kind of push off a little bit when you get tired. Yeah. So it's either you pull with your lats or the weight doesn't move. That will get you stupid strong and dense really quick. Um, but yeah, dumbbell, chest supported dumbbell row. Okay, I had Both to ask. Arms. I had to ask. Oh, I love that one. Um, it's a good question. It's a good question. Okay, so um, let's see what uh, other tips. So legs, man, just I don't really have any specific techniques or like cues that I use, um, except for maybe like you know doing dumbbells. Oh, oh you know what? Hamstrings. Hamstrings. I have a mm. few cues that I use. So um, when you're doing any type of leg curl. The biggest thing that you can do is keep your hips down. Don't let, don't hitch your hips up, and um, especially if you're doing something where the quad is up against the pad, keep the um, keep the quad keep the quad up against the pad. Keep your hips down. Don't let your hips hitch up because uh, I think a lot of people are so concerned with like when they're doing a leg curl, getting the pad all the way up to their butt, that they forget about getting the full contraction of the hamstring. If your hips are down, let me see if I can stand up and demonstrate this. So if your hips are down, right, into the pad like this. Yeah. This is as far as – oh, you can't even see. Okay, that's as far as I can get my leg up. My hamstring is fully contracted right now. I couldn't lift my leg any higher even if I wanted to. Yep. Now, as soon as I hitch my hips up – now all of a sudden I can get all the way up here. Yeah, yeah. So the hamstring does two things. It flexes the knee and it extends uh, – it, it hinges the hips. So that's why if you involve the hips and you hinge them, that's why you can get more range of motion. It doesn't necessarily mean more muscle fiber recruitment in the hamstring. Mm, okay. so, keep, so keep your hips down. And you'll notice that you won't get the full range, like the pad won't be coming up to your butt, yep. but the contraction will be so much better. Um, and then for like a hip hinge, it is really about, you know, everyone's anatomy is a little bit different, um, especially when in terms of skeletal structure, leverage, limb length, and all of those things. So you just have to really play with the foot placement. I know I do. Um I have some people who, if I tell them to turn their toes out, they will not feel the deadlift in their hamstrings at all. They have okay. to be, like, super neutral. Um, for me, I have to have my toes out. Me if too. I do neutral, I won't feel it. 
Yeah, the, some, something about way. that position doesn't work. Yeah, I'm that way too, for sure. I think that you know what, then, the hamstrings are a good thing to really f- look at these tips on too because I feel like a, a lot of guys they need better legs and then they focus on quads and then you it's kind of like back you don't see your hamstrings you don't see it you know yeah you don't see your hamstrings and I think that hamstrings are they're a, a, almost like the unsung weak body part you know what I mean <laughs> <laughs> that that's fair I mean shit you see someone with a with a giant ham hock hanging off on a side chest and your eyes are immediately drawn to that. Yeah. However, if they don't have it, your eyes are immediate. At least mine are anyway. When I see someone with a shitty hamstring, I'm like, their quad looks great, but what the hell happened there? Like as soon as they turn to the side, I'm like, why? (laughs) How did you miss that? You know, I agree. So I agree with you. I agree with you. That's why I mentioned it because most people know how to engage their hand. I mean, their quads, because one, they see them, mm-hmm. and when you tell people to flex their quad, you don't have to really explain it too hard. They know exactly what to do. I mean, extend the knee and blah, quad. Here you go. Um, but they can't see the hamstring, so it's hard for them to really connect. It's hard to connect with something that you don't see. That that part I get. So that's why I wanted to give that tip there. I don't think tips are really necessary for quads because most people are quad dominant anyway. You can see it when they squat. As soon as they do a barbell squat, your their heels come right up off the ground, and they're pushing off the balls of their feet. That happens with almost everybody. Hmm. It's very rare that like I get, let's say I get a new client and I train them and I get them under the bar for the first time, and it's very rare that I see someone keep their heels flat. Yeah, I could almost see that. everybody their heels come up. So when you're pushing off the balls of your feet, that's because your quads are stronger than your hamstrings. I could see that so, for sure. So the, the, the quads are going to be biased automatically just because they're not even trying to do it. So that's why I wanted to focus on the hamstrings. Now, uh, what am I missing? Oh, um, buys and tries. Just make sure that when you're doing elbow flexion or elbow extension, everything is moving in a straight line that hmm. you are not like. So let's say you're doing like um, a cable, uh, a single arm cable extension, right? Mm-hmm. And you don't you don't want your arm at like a weird angle when mm. you're pushing. If you keep everything in a straight line and keep your elbow locked in place by your side, you're gonna get a lot more um, a lot more tricep recruitment. I will give this one little tip: if you have if you have good triceps, but let's say you want your front double to look better, right? So you want to try and get this inner head of the tricep to grow. A little tip that Dr. Scott gave me was just internally rotating your arm. Hmm. When you when you extend at the bottom, this will allow you to fire the inner head okay. of the tricep a yeah. lot better. That's something yeah. he taught me like a few months ago. I didn't even know that that was that, that was a thing. And I almost so, feel like part of that too is you you would, in order to get that little rotation at the bottom, you have to use a very full range of motion. That's like I can I can squeeze feel that squeeze in my brain like I'm visually I or you know I can picture what that's like. And it is in that, yeah. that very end of the rep. What do, what do you think about range of motion? I tell all my clients, I'm going to show off my hand. I'm, I'm trying to show off my forearms a lot, apparently. <laughs> um, I tell my clients that when they come up, that your forearm should be mashed against your bicep passively before you push back down. Yeah. So um, I think a lot of people shortchange their range of motion. So they're, they're here yeah. and then they push. Right here, push. And as we know, the eccentric portion of the rep is where the muscle is generating the most force. 
and its strongest. So thusly, and it's being put into a stretched position. It only makes sense that if a muscle fiber is being forced to expand via a stretch, it's bigger than it is when it's contracted sure. and shortened. Sure. So you want to make sure that you are putting the tricep or any muscle that you're training through its fully stretched position before you engage in the concentric portion of the movement. Um, if you want to get maximal benefit, optimized benefit from it. Okay. So I always tell my clients, form mashed against bicep before you push down. Okay, how about how about biceps then? Do you feel the same way? Because I know some people are like, man, I don't like getting my arm that stretched out, you know? As long so that that is a caveat just because, you know, in in a fully fully stretched position, i.e. where like the elbow is pretty much locked, the under load the bicep can be in a compromised position. Okay. So that is a very common uh spot for a bicep tear. Ah. Um that's another reason why like, when I have people deadlift, I have them deadlift overhand instead of underhand mm. so that they're not deadlifting 400, 500 pounds with, uh, with the bicep in a supinated, fully stretched position because that, that is the most common – to me, from what I've noticed, that's the most common time that people injure their bicep, not even on a curl. It's deadlifting uh, – you know, uh, what's that? Inverse grip where yeah. one hand is supinated and the other one's pronated. Or, yeah. Yeah, no, like this. Yes. Right. That's the most common time that people have a bicep injury because it's fully compromised and you you're you're not curling with you're not going to curl with 400 pounds or you're going to deadlift with 400 pounds. So it's the same. You know, it's the same thing yeah. um, in terms of how the, the muscle registers it under the fully stretched position. So but with the bicep, I think the most important thing is, well, two things um, in order to best train it. One, make sure everything, again, is moving in a straight line. So when you are curling with a dumbbell or on a machine or a cable, whatever. So make sure that everything is in line, that your forearm is in line with your um, with your upper arm, with your humerus, and also that let's say you're doing that it's in line with the weight that you're using as well. So you don't want to be holding the weight like this or mm. you know trying to curl it like in I don't know. I see people do all kinds of weird stuff. It's very strange. But if you just focus on everything lining up and being in a straight line from your upper arm all the way through your forearm and your wrist and your hand um, through to where the, the weight is that you're holding, you're going to get the best recruitment. Another thing, angle of your humerus in relation to your body. So if you want to maximize training the bicep under load in a stretched position, you want to position yourself so that mm. you are curling with your arm behind you. So this would be like um, an incline, like doing curls on an incline bench. Yeah. So you recline back and your arms are down behind you and you're curling like that. That would be what, that would be one way to do it. Then you want to curl, have a curl in a neutral position, which would be like just a standing dumbbell curl. Pretty simple. And then arm in front of you curling. This would be either preacher curl or a spider curl on a bench. So what matters most is most people think it's hand position, you know, doing reverse curls versus hammer curls versus supinated. The only thing that the change in wrist position, which all you're doing is rotating your humerus. You're not really rotating your wrist. The bone, your bone of your upper arm is actually what is rotating. Yeah. Um, the only thing that that changes is whether you're training the bicep or the brachialis. That's the only thing that changes. If you really want to maximize, fully maximize bicep training, the angle of your humerus in relation to your body is what fully matters. So that make sure you have good. an exercise. 
Make sure you have an exercise back here. Make sure you have an exercise here. And you have an exercise here. You do that every single week. Complete bicep training. Yes. I like it. I like it. Um, and I had, and that's this is coming from someone who always had weak arms. Did you in really? In comparison to the, my arms would grow super slow in comparison to everything else. I, I went from, shoo, I think. My first year as a pro, my arms were 18 and a half. You're kidding me. What are, what are they now? What do you figure? Uh, in prep, they're – so like show-ready show arm. So, okay, so that 18 and a half was like towards the end of offseason, first year as a pro. I think maybe even 18 and three quarters. Okay. Prep, show-ready arm is 20, uh, almost 20 and a half. Hell yeah. Hell yeah. And that's on the 212 guy. Uh, yes, that's so it's on not a like you're 290 guy. or something, you know. Abs- absolutely, I am right now floating between 239 and 242. Oh shit! As of, as of right now, so they're probably bigger than that right now. So uh, I, they're probably 21 right now. Okay. But yeah, so I used to have a weak arm. That's and that when I figured that out, in addition to training my arms like I do every other body part. Yeah. yeah. So progressive overload. Um, that was another big thing because I used to do like high reps all the time because okay. that's what I was always taught. Like it's a smaller muscle group, so you, it can handle more volume. So do more volume. Mm. Once I got rid of that notion, it was like, okay, eight to 10 reps for bicep curls, eight to 10 reps for tricep extensions or 10 to 12 or whatever. Yeah. Once I took that mentality, my arms blew up okay. plus the angles, both of those together. I like the angles thing. I haven't done that. That's something I'm actually going to, I'm going to employ that into my own training now. You're gonna notice a huge difference in the muscle fiber recruitment, and the burn's gonna be insane. You'll you'll have all of the typical signals of oh, I'm doing this right. Yeah. Okay. I look forward to it. I'll keep you posted. Um, where are we at for time? I know we had those we two. Are, we have, we had a bunch of questions. Did we are, would be we be good. You think to to switch over to you know our, our stuff? Oh yeah, yeah. Because right. the other topics I wanted to talk about were frequency and volume, but I really think that those two could probably have their own episode. Oh yeah, absolutely. Um, all right, man. Let, let me see what we've got here because I know that um, listener questions. Yes, listener question time. Do we need like a special? Like theme song for that, I wonder. You know, some sort of. Oh, this would be a this would be a perfect time for the horn. Uh, you know what? We got a message on the horn. They were like, "Hey, that horn is really annoying." Not us, not us in particular, but somebody said that he didn't. He, I don't think he had much of a sense of humor either. Uh, you know, so that's this, that's really this that's really him. disappointing. You should blow the horn twice. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Listener questions. <laughs> you really did it twice. I love it. Yeah, I like I like the horn here. That's good. So this is from Matt. Matt is also the uh, the genius behind the name Brass Tax. Shout out to Matt. Uh, shout out to Matt. Today. Yes, uh, and he's also one of our Patreon people. So shout out to him for that, and shout out to everybody who supports the channel on Patreon. He says, um, "I recently started DC training, and I'm having a hard time." Wrapping my head around the decre- the decrease in volume, um, it's been drilled into my head that I need to go to the gym four to six days a week, doing multiple exercises for each body part with three to five sets per exercise. How do I get past the mental block of feeling like you're just not doing enough? Obviously, DC works 
or it wouldn't be uh, thought so highly of, but I can't get, I need more out of my head. Mm. Okay. So um, I've never done like a full DC training like program. Okay. I've done elements of it into, you know, my own style. Um, so I don't want to sit here and act like I'm a, I'm a DC training expert. So yeah, I don't want, I don't want the, the spirit of Dante to, uh, descend upon me from the heavens. Okay. Um, but I will say this, uh, what you, okay. So actually Scott, let me ask you a question. Does DC training have, um, guys training up to six days a week? No. Okay. Cause that just doesn't sound like a Dante thing. Yeah. No, he said he, um, he's used to training six days a week. He, oh, then, then he's not, then yeah. he's not doing, he's not doing DC training. No, no. He's saying that he's, <laughs> yeah, he wasn't, he said he's used to training six, six days a week. So he can't right. get his mind around training less days. He wants to be in the gym okay. six days a week and this new schedule that he's following, which is probably going to be like a three day, a three day okay, workout possibly. He feels like he's not in there enough. Okay. So here's, so first, here's the first issue to uh, unpack. What is it that you are trying to accomplish when you go to the gym? Is progression your number one priority or is just being in the gym training your number one priority? So if you are in the gym training just because of how much you enjoy it and the, there's an emotional fulfillment that you get out of it and that's what drives you to go and that's your that, – that, is your highest value mm -hmm. in terms of going to the gym, then that's what you need to operate on. Because at the end of the day, if that's what makes you the happiest, then by all means, go for it. However, I would venture a guess that most of us go to the gym to not necessarily look the same week in and week out, month in and month out. Recovery is absolutely crucial to that process. You break down muscle in the gym you build it up when you're not in the gym, i.e. via eating and resting. Yeah. So if you are doing a D volume per se, I, that, that's, um, that's, what I, that's what I call it. I don't know if anyone else calls it that. But um, if you're doing a D volume, this is how I usually implement it. Um, hopefully this will be helpful, um, helpful, helpful to you guys, to you. Um, Instead of reducing the number of days, first of all, I would never have someone train six days a week. Absolutely not, because the intensity that I demand from people that I work with, there's absolutely no way that they could sustain that intensity no. six days in a row. It's no. impossible. Their nervous system would be shot. They would overtrain very pretty easily, even no matter how much food they eat. It just wouldn't work. So maximum, I allow my clients and any or anyone that asks my opinion, I use five days a week. Um, maximum. Now, instead of, if you're looking to reduce the volume, instead of reducing the number of days, I see what he's saying. Cause he wants to do the same body of work, but he's just still, trying to and out, still be in the gym. Yeah. He's just trying to figure out and he, he added in, he's actually listening live. He said he's going every okay. other day right now, but I mean, oh, I, think, I see the comment. Yeah. I think for him, it's like, he just, um, he can't figure out the the mental side of doing less sets, doing less days. Okay. And I think you you actually the first thing you said was exactly what Scott Stevenson has said to people. It's like what's more important to you. And I think for him, you know, the the goals, the the, the size, you know, that he wants to mm -hmm. achieve. 
that's that's the number one. So he's just trying to figure out like, man, how do I mentally accept this? You know. So here's this is what I have all my clients do, and I, um, okay, so I say take a devolume week, right? So what that means is, let's say you're training five days a week, and you are doing two working sets per movement, right? I tell, I think I mentioned this earlier, in fact, um, reduce all of the working sets to one working set. So, excuse me, you still go into the gym with the progressive overload mindset. You still look in your logbook last week and you say, okay, I did, I did incline Smith. I did 315 for 10. I'm still going to get 315 for 11. I'm still going to try and go for it, but I only have this one set to do it. And that's it. Once I, and I'm going to go balls to the wall and try and get it. Once that set is over, I'm done and I'm moving on to the next movement. So the whole purpose behind doing a D volume is just to reduce fatigue so that you can go into the following week back to your normal routine mm. and have more energy um, and give your nervous system time to recover so that it can attack full force so that you can attack full force all over again. So don't reduce the number of days that you're in the gym. So if you're going every other day, then, you know, you're training three to four days a week or typically four days a week then don't reduce the number of days, just reduce the number the volume the number of sets that you're doing per session. So if you're doing three working sets, do one or two working sets per movement. You'll be more efficient. You'll notice that you probably still hit strength PRs because you won't be you won't have any junk volume at all. Everything will be effective. You'll be all you'll be able to get to um, more effective reps in my opinion. Um, and then you'll be able to come back the following week a little bit more refreshed to tackle your normal volume set uh, volume uh, amount. I'm wondering if he's not ready for DC training. Like he, what you, makes you say that? You have to be in a place where it makes sense, and it sounds like it doesn't make sense to him if he's if he's coming from training six days a week. Okay, here. So here's here's my example. Then I used to train in high frequency. Uh, at, mm. at my peak, I trained seven days a week. I knew that wasn't good for me, but there was a point yeah, when how'd you do that? <laughs> well, I, I went through a breakup and then I was like, I, ah! I don't, don't want to be at home. <laughs> I was you know? waiting for it. I didn't want to be home after work. So I was like, I'm just going to go to the gym. And then that gives me something to do. And I see my friends yep. and blah, blah, blah. And to me, I guess that was more important than making progress. Although somehow or another, man, I made some good progress that year. Oh, I'm sure you did because you, you were just in the gym with rage, just yeah, uncontrollable exactly. anger all the time. But over time, over time, my sets got more intense. And then I, you know, and I, I spent a couple of years doing a podcast with Jordan Peters and Scott Stevenson, and they kept telling me about how you know, higher frequency, lower volume was, was a much better approach. And over time mm -hmm. I started getting more out of the sets I was doing. And then I started saying, huh, maybe instead of five exercises, I could do this in four exercises. Maybe instead of three sets, I could do this in two sets. And eventually I got to a point where, okay, yeah, DC training, that makes sense to me now. Why don't I give that a try? I would think yep. that maybe he'd be better off trying something else that would for now, at least give him a little bit more, give him the room to learn how to do DC, the intensity it takes, because now I'm at a point where I can say, Oh yeah, I can totally see how doing one set, you could blow it out. You know, I'm going to do two chest exercises today and that's all I'm doing for chest. 
and I'm only doing two sets. Okay, that makes you sense. You are going to gonna put boot to ass yeah. for those two sets. Like, yeah. cuz you cuz you're like this is all I got. If I don't if I if I if I pussyfoot around these sets, I'm literally going to get nothing out of it. Yeah, so, but if, if you took the guy who was training 7 days a week, the Scott from a decade and a half ago, uh, yep. I, I wouldn't have been able to handle that, man. I couldn't, have, I couldn't have brought that, you know, I hear that. So I hear that. That would be my, so, my input on it. Yeah. I, I, I like that. I agree with that. Um, maybe here's what I would suggest in order to kind of work their work your way up to that. Um, was it Matt that asked the question? Yep. Yeah. So here's what I would recommend. So let's, I'm going to take a wild stab in the dark here that maybe he's doing like, um, you know, six, seven movements, uh, a session, maybe like, and I think he said three working sets per movement, something like that. Try this, try doing four. Let's say you go, let's say you're doing a push pull legs on your pull session, do three back movements, one bicep movement, do two working sets for each. Yeah. Go. Like and that. you so six sets for back, two sets for biceps, and you so you eight working sets total for the whole workout, and you put boot to ass as much as you can for those eight sets. I guarantee you it's gonna feel so much different and way more productive than if if you do your current approach. And then over time, you just add one movement to each of those. So you do one more back movement and then you do one more bicep movement, still only two working sets. So that's how you're going to accrue, accrue volume while still being able to match the intensity that you did on the lower number of sets and just right. do that over time. Something had, like that. We had another listener question here on the feed. So if we can power through this, we've got a couple you had, do you want to, you want to see if we can power through a few? Yeah, let's do it. Let's do it. I might All have right. to grab my charger in a second, but Okay, well, we'll try to be quicker too here, guys. Um, okay. How can you tell when you have adapted to an exercise with a weight and are no longer growing? I just mm -hmm. added more weight and I use that weight until I hit a specific rep number and repeat. Do you have a different approach to maximize growth at a specific weight? Wes, great question. Great question. Thank you for tuning into the program, by the way. Um, so this is so no, that's exactly how I do it. So like uh, for example, let's say I'm doing two. Let's say I'm doing flat bench press uh, on barbell, and I'm doing I do two twenty five for eight. I will stick with that two twenty five until I can consistently get that for above ten reps. Once I do, once I can accomplish that, that's when that's my cue that I can move up to the next weight tier, either 245 or 275, depending on the weight range that I want. I mean, the rep range that I want to work in. Um, so then I'll move up to that. I, I, I would, me personally, I would probably go up to 275. <laughs> and knowing that I'm probably going to get like four or five reps with that, and then I'll work with that until I can get that to 10 reps. Yeah. And then I move up and I just repeat that process over and over again. So, no, that's the, that's the right way to do it. That's the smart way to do it, in my opinion. Absolutely. Right. All right. You think you're going to make it here if we uh, if we go for another five minutes or so, or do you need to grab your charger? Give me. I can. I'll still be able to hear you because I have my Bluetooth headset in. But give me like ten seconds to grab my charger. I'll entertain Hold the people. On. I'll entertain the people. Yes. If they've stayed this long. They're not going anywhere. Do a jig. 
do a jig. I have too many cords wrapped around me right now to do a jig. Oh no! I'm I'm coming back. I'm coming right. back. I got it. Okay, we are in business. Oh, by the way, I got a text while we were um an actual text message, not a WhatsApp. Yeah. While we were while we've been on, uh, Nick Weary, just about uh, the competitive eater. Up. He's got a question. Does he really? Yeah, yeah. That's hilarious because uh, she is being induced. My son should be here by tomorrow. Holy shit. Yeah, his lady's having having the baby. Wow. I just asked so him to congratulations come on the to Nick next week. Wow. So I and he's gonna he was willing to come on the show after like he just went through the, the eating contest too, didn't he? Yeah, he like, placed that was, third. That's like third in the world. That's the that's a big third in the world. That's that's a big feat. Do you know he how many is hot the dogs third he ate? best eater on the planet? Yeah, he ate forty four. Oh. The uh the second place guy ate fifty. And then the guy that won Joey Chestnut, he's like the Ronnie Coleman of eating contests. Yeah. He ate 76 and Holy broke his own shit. world record. In That's 10 minutes. Ridiculous. In 10 minutes. How many hot dogs do you think you could eat in 10 minutes? <laughs> I don't even like hot dogs, so not that much. <laughs> Two. <laughs> Two. <laughs> now, cheeseburgers? Oh, cheeseburgers are better than hot dogs. I'm sorry. I'm sorry to anyone that gets offended by that. That's but all right. cheeseburgers are better. Oh. Um, I could probably get like 10 of them. I got Anastasia's question first, though. Oh, it's funny because she literally just texted me. Um, she must she must be done with her clients and getting ready to come home. Okay, so who would win in a fight? Conan Arnold or Scorpion King The Rock? You know, I had, and it's funny because I had time to think about this question because yeah. I saw it a while, a while ago and... I don't. I don't. I don't know. I don't know. Could you say uh, Arnold could lose at anything? You know what I mean. He's it's Arnold. It's, it's Arnold. Arnold, but the Scorpion King has powers. Oh, does Conan mm. have powers? Okay, I'm. Or is he just a big guy here. with a sword? Real talk here. I don't know who the Scorpion King is. You've never watched the Scorpion King with the Rock? Have you watched the Mummy with um with with Brendan Fraser? Oh my God! What are we doing here? This, this show sucks. <laughs> yeah, I don't all watch right. movies. I don't watch movies. Really? Yeah, not at all. Like so, I don't have the attention span for it. So it, you've never been someone that has been able to sit down and just enjoy a movie. I used to. I used to, but not anymore. But if you told so, me, you don't have like a favorite movie. Mm, nah, not really. But if you told me like, "Hey, why don't you sit down for seven hours and watch YouTube?" I'd be like, "Sure, let's do that." <laughs> you know? Wow, uh, it's five a.m. Why am I still watching cat videos? I don't right, understand. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. That's, no, or, I, or dog videos. Yeah. No, I don't watch movies. But so, so you would say Scorpion King could beat Arnold? Though? I, it's Arnold. I, I I know, but the Scorpion King has powers. What That's is the he, only what thing? Kind of like, powers if, does he have? Um, isn't he immortal? I think he's immortal oh, or well. close to it. Like he's he's kind of like a like a like an Achilles guy. You know, I don't know if you know Achilles from Greek mythology. Oh, so like okay, yeah, I thought you were. I thought you were. Thinking you know how about you know how they call it the Achilles heel, like your your weakness. So that was what that was what Achilles had. So his um so his mother dunked him into this water that made him not immortal but like invincible like he couldn't be killed yeah but the only place that the water didn't touch was his heel 
his yeah. Achilles. So that was his, that was his only weak spot. No one else could kill him if they hit him in any other spot. So he got shot with a poison arrow on his Achilles, and that's how he died. Yes, I'm. Yeah, I've heard that story before. So okay. So he can't be killed. The Scorpion King is what you're basically telling me. He does have a weakness. I just can't remember what it is, but he has a lot of powers. Like Conan is just a warrior with a big sword, but like he doesn't have powers. Arnold Conan. So I, I know. I, I know. Like, it's almost blasphemous. I feel bad, but also, I'm going I feel logic like here. Arnold's pretty smart. So if the Scorpion, here's my take. Then I'll say, if okay, the Scorpion yeah, King crafty has weakness. Yeah, Arnold is a pretty crafty guy. He would figure out. Here's what he would do. He would. If, if he was in a, if there was going to be a big battle, he would book a hotel room with the Scorpion King the night before the show, and he would give him advice before the show, <laughs> before, before the fight, before the battle, and he would give him advices. And the Scorpion King would look at him like a father, and it wouldn't be that hard for Arnold to give him the wrong advice. Would, would, uh, would Arnold give him uh, a shot of vodka and a, pizza and, and a slice of pizza in the hopes that it would weaken him? He might. He might. Because we, we've already seen how that scenario plays out. <laughs> that's, how you create, that's how you create a Mr. Olympia. All right. We got Nick Weary's question here. Yes. What makes you and the misses work so well? You guys make a great team. Now, Nick, shout out to him again. He trains at your gym, right? Yes, yes, he does. In so, fact, I think he was on his way out, actually, when I got there this morning. So he sees you uh, and Anastasia interact. Uh, he is, it's yes, not as if he's in just person. Uh, going off of your social media, because everybody has their social media pictures where they're like, oh, we're a perfect couple, you know. Oh, listen, we are. In, OK, so when we started dating, we were both in prep. We both saw the worst sides of each other <clears throat> pretty much instantly in the honeymoon phase. You're kidding. And somehow we still stuck around with each other. So, and here we are three years later, and we're going to get married next year. So, that's cool. Um, yeah. It, 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 obviously, that wasn't planned, but, you know, it worked out pretty well. But uh, how do we work so well? That's a great question. Communication. That, that's, that is the key to everything. And not just communication, but understanding where we fail communication wise and being willing to accept that and improve on it. Yeah. So, um, like for me, for example, like uh, since bodybuilding is kind of like the, the, the core of everything that we do, like when I get deep into prep, um, if I, I don't get like grumpy or anything or like moody, I get quiet. Yeah. I me talk too. less. Me too. Which makes it hard to podcast um, sometimes. Yes. So I so the biggest battle for me has been trying to remain as communicative as I am in off season while I'm in contest prep to give her the reassurance that she needs that I am an active participant in the relationship. So if we if you know anything about love languages, uh, Scott, she values words of affirmation is her love language for me. It's um I forget what the what the actual oh acts of service yes effort so you want her to like so which, uh, clean the house for you no okay. <laughs> no not oh, things you like mean that acts like, of service no not that kind of service <laughs> you nasty but yes but no um I want you to po- I want to point out that I've done I just realized that I've been doing this again That's good 
And I'm oh, trying yeah. not to do it. That's right. You mentioned, guys, here's the deal. I wish I could have done this at the beginning of the show. If You were paying attention. I just realized it because I just did it. If you see Weapon X do this, you have to take a shot. <laughs> oh, my God. Oh, we're going to have a – while well, the comments are going to get real interesting in a minute. Um, a shot of trend. But uh, every time, do a shot of tr- oh, a shot of trend. <laughs> oh, we're gonna have a bunch of jack motherfuckers. God damn! So um, count how that's many times awesome. you see Weapon X do this. I want to know. So you tell. And us. then I want you to message me and tell me how many milligrams in are you, so that way I can continue to do this <laughs> just to get, keep you anabolic. You're welcome. But yeah, no communication and just understanding where we you know where where each other falls short and being accepting of the criticism of the other person and being willing to improve on it because you know no one likes to be told that they're like you know falling short somewhere it sucks and especially if you're if that falling short trait disappoints the other person no one wants to disappoint their spouse so that's the that's the biggest thing that is there's really nothing more important than that to be honest and when it, and being able to communicate and understand what the other person values, again, when, so for me, it's acts of service. So like when I was getting ready for the Olympia, she did everything in her power to make sure that I had the, I don't want to say the most convenience, but like just the process was very easy for me in terms of all I had to worry about was my clients, training, cardio, and getting my meals in. I didn't have to worry about anything else. Pretty much. And then, and then like when the when bills came like for the gym or whatever, she would just be like, hey, look, um, this was all the bills. I took care of it. Here's your part. Send me the money. Hmm. I didn't have to think at all about anything other than bodybuilding while I was getting ready for the Olympia. That's what I mean. Acts of service. She didn't have to tell me verbally that she loved me. That was enough for me. Yeah. I knew that, that told me that she loved me and that she wanted what was the best for me and was an active participant in the relationship and seeing my success. That's cool. So for her, it's words of affirmation. Yeah, she likes when I do things, but she needs to, she needs me to verbally say, hey, I love you. I care about you. You're beautiful. Blah, blah, blah. It's so important to, I, it, 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 not to get onto like this self-help guide for people, but it is important right. to know what your partner needs because what we generally do is try to love people the way we want to be loved and they might mm. need something different, you know? Right. So it, that, and that's coming down to understanding what your highest values are and what their highest values are and expressing your values in terms of theirs. So it's not just you thinking yes. about yourself which is bad. And then you being 100% selfless towards them and ignoring yourself is also bad because you're going to hold resentment at some point because you're going to feel undervalued. Yes. All right. Let's wrap this thing up. That was yes. a good answer. That, that was, was good. good answer. That was good. So next week we are going to continue on with this. We have, yeah, we're going to uh, go into frequency and volume and probably recovery management. Those are the three things that I'm hoping we'll be able to cover in full detail next time. All right. Well, in that case, guys, check out our sponsor, True Nutrition. When I say our sponsor, I mean my sponsor and Derek's sponsor because they sponsor both of us. And I think that's kick ass. We both have codes, Weapon X and Think for obviously Think Think. Big. 
Uh, and we appreciate you guys hanging out with us. If you guys have any questions you want to add into the show, then comment below because we'll tackle them on the next one. I think this I think this Absolutely. went good, Derek. I think we're starting to like starting to like get a meld, you know, groove together. We have a we have a rhythm. We have a rhythm. That went really well. And thank you for everyone that commented and um, had questions and participated. That means a lot to us. All right. We'll see you guys. All right.